Trade deadline under 36 hours away. Moves to be made. We've already got a couple this weekend across MLB. Blue Jays being one of them. Jordan Hicks joining the team. Ones. Very, very much so. Just red hot. Yeah. Moves. People are they're just putting the it all the Steam under table. the collar. <laughs> Uh, ben Ennis, host of Fan Drive Time, joins us this morning. Ben, I enjoyed filling in your seat and your time uh, the last couple of weeks. It's a nice life over there. It's not bad. It's it's certainly. I listen. Hand up. I think it's better than waking up at four in the morning. There but are you perks. know what? <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm speaking out of turn. But yeah, for me. In my life, it, it works. It works pretty well. Yeah, it's not bad. Thank I can't. You did a great job. <laughs> I can't stand sitting around all day waiting to work. So I actually think this is <laughs> way so better. There really but are pros and cons. Though. I cannot. Like I would be, God, the takes I would have on that show if oh, I'd just, just been sitting day? around in the take chamber, letting Ooh. it perco- percolate in the crock pot of takes. It'd be, oh, yeah. it'd be getting gamey if I was on at 5 o'clock every day. Or, right. uh, well, yeah, so you're doing well. Well, and also there's, you, you know, you guys get to operate in the world. and Like, you know, it's before noon and already you're done work. And, you know, you, you, you get to... You get to be, well, I was going to say normal humans, but you have woken up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I thought you were going to say get... you know me, and that, <laughs> that can't happen. But Well, also that. But, yeah, no, you guys get to operate in the world uh, at, at, you know, in, in the afternoon hours. So, so there's, yeah, definitely that. Uh, there was perks but, of uh, seeing employees that I did not know worked here, and they did not know I worked here either. There are so many people here in the afternoon. Real people, so that, that was a perk, and uh, I hope you enjoyed some time, Ben, but uh, good to have you on the show. Okay, so Blue Jays, they uh, add last uh, afternoon after um, a loss to the Angels and Jordan Romano on the IL. They make the big splash. Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals. Uh, excitement level to have a guy that throws regularly over 100, hits 104, and will definitely help this bullpen look mighty good come um, October, hopefully. Yeah, it's it's a surprising one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the more you think about it, it, I think it gets less surprising. Not surprising the Blue Jays was that, would add to the bullpen because I, I think you, you go down the list of needs for this team, not that they have a bad bullpen. In fact, now it's, it's actually just a, a straight-up fact. The Blue Jays just have a great pitching staff top to bottom, whether mm-hmm. you talk about starters or relievers. They have the best ERA in the American League. But um, that he's a rental. That, that he's at the top of the rental market, right? The Blue Jays didn't give up one of their top prospects, but they gave up a couple of guys that could have very easily slotted in as depth starters in the rotation as early as next year. Like the, the, the Sam Rebus and Adam Klaffenstein, like those guys were having real good seasons at double A. And there's not that much of a difference between having a real good season at double A and having a real good season at triple A. And then, you know, having a, an opportunity at the, at the major league level. Uh, but you, you got to give up something to get something. And like I said, Jordan Hicks might be at the very tippy top of the reliever pile when you talk about guys that were clearly going to be available before 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. This guy, as you mentioned, Ailish, throws... He's going to throw the hardest pitch in the history of the Blue Jays franchise. Like, there has not been a Blue Jays pitcher to touch 102. He's thrown, like, 100 pitches, like 102 <laughs> this season. So he's going to do that for the Blue Jays. He had a, a, a tough April, uh, and the Blue Jays were actually were part of his tough April on opening day. They, they caused him to suffer a blown save on the first day of the season. But since April, he's been out freaking standing. But this, this Blue Jays team does not have a history of, of shopping in the rental market. Ross Atkins likes to go out and acquire players with term, and 
You can see one of them that's paying dividends right now in Whit Merrifield at the deadline, a guy with just an extra year of term on his deal. This is not something he's wont to do, but I guess desperate times call for desperate measures, and, and they gave up real value for a guy who might only be here for a couple of months. So you, you touched on it at the, the very end there, the desperate times thing. What percentage, of, like when I'm looking at this move and I think they should have added to the pen, you know, I've asked you this question a thousand times this year, where is my 101 mile per hour freak? I finally got him. But how much of this do you think is concern for Romano? I mean, do you think if he is forget 100% healthy, but if he's just not had the, uh, the uh, you know, a little bit of back pings that he's had, do you think they're shopping in this for this class of reliever? Or does this make you a little more worried about the, the health issue for Romano? Because as excited I am about the Hicks move and I love it and you're right this is very uncharacteristic for this team it does make me think that because it's so uncharacteristic maybe I should be a little more worried about Jordan Romano than I am uh yeah maybe I'm just like a cockeyed optimist but no I I really do feel like I I take the Blue Jays at their word and and also considering that we already saw him dealing with the same type of stuff was removed from the all-star game and then you know only missed a couple of days before coming back and he even that last pitch he threw where he he felt the the tweak in his back it was at 97 I think he's gonna be okay I do I just it, it, it the timing is curious though right the Blue Jays are going into at this point the the biggest series of the season where the division title is very much still in play here with a couple of months to go uh, and you you have a uh, just one win against the uh, against the Orioles coming into a big four game series at Rogers Center to go into that without a guy that you're you're pretty confident in at the back end of your bullpen and sure you know Eric Swanson could do the job or maybe Jimmy Garcia or maybe Nate Pearson but how about a guy that's already been throwing in the ninth inning not for a good team but but getting outs in in the ninth inning uh, against the Orioles I. I, I do wonder if, like, there was an urgency to get this done before the series against the Orioles today, because that's huge. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, if Blue Jays lose this series, and you don't want to talk about too much hyperbole, because, you know, how long ago was it when the Blue Jays were 11 games back of the Rays at the top of the division? Did we talk about that not being a realistic goal, and they might not still win the division? But, yeah, things change. Now the Rays stink, and <laughs> and, and and the Blue Jays are right there amongst the best teams in the American League since the month of May. But, boy, winning three out of four against the Orioles or losing three out of four or a sweep either way can just change the complexion of of the last two months of the season. This is a huge, huge series. And to go into it without Jordan Romano and without anybody throwing gas at the back of the end of their bullpen would, would be a tough one to swallow. So I, I do wonder if hey, maybe this thing was, was like on the five-yard line and push it over the goal line before today was was key. Like maybe Blue Jays did have to up up, up their, their offer, up their uh, their prospect capital that they were going to give up and deal to, to get this done before the series starts today. Yeah, and, and rumored that the Rays, the Astros, and the Rangers are also in on Jordan Hicks. So maybe they were just looking around the market and saying, we need this guy more than we need those guys to bolster their lineup. And then, you know, you mentioned the Orioles. Well, the Boston Red Sox are the series after that in Boston where they cannot win a game. So hopefully that that's all uh, part of the, the conversation. So Used you can, them all up last year. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no, no. Make, it makes sense. You can't, you can't have too much. Um, Romano, uh Chad Green and Jordan Hicks, if those three guys are healthy in a bullpen, I mean, it's got to be the highest point of confidence in this Blue Jays lineup. If you look at where you feel the most comfortable in your performance, it feels to me like if this bullpen is healthy and those three guys are a part of it, 
that should be where you feel you can move on and start looking elsewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, most confident, honestly, I, I still feel like it's the number one starter. Kevin Gossman gives me lots of confidence. Mm-hmm. Every time he he's he's on the mound, I, I feel like that's that's a guy that I, I feel pretty pretty good, even in a playoff game, and we saw it last year, uh, get the job done, give you five, six, at the very least, very, very, very good innings. But it's it's a good point about the bullpen. I mean, even without the additions, this bullpen's been very good. And the strikeout total and the strikeout percentage has been up and up and up. And you're you're right, Brent. Like they don't. Like the, the, this is the first Jordan Hicks that they've they've added to the bullpen. But yeah, Jordan Romano is throwing upper nineties. He can touch triple digits. We know Nate Pearson's capable of doing that. Uh, Yenesis Cabrera is throwing upper nineties from the left side now. And if you, I mean, if you're going by ERA, they do already have one of the best bullpens in in the American League it it should be a strength i mean it's it's the number one strength of the Baltimore Orioles though right mm. Felix Bautista has a strikeout percentage of 50% that that means <laughs> that means that like half of the guys that step to the plate strike out like i i don't know how you fail when you have a strikeout percentage of 50% like they were I was watching sunday night baseball I don't think yesterday you do. <laughs> and yeah and and you know they're showing a graphic as they they walk away with a massive victory over the Yankees after scoring seven runs in the first <laughs> inning. But his strikeout percentage, if he holds on to this for the rest of the season, is going to be one one of the greatest in the history of the sport. And they have another guy in Yanir Cano whose strikeout percentage is is like not that far off. So yeah, the, you, you're you're looking to go toe to toe with one of the the greatest relievers or at least single season relief efforts in the history of the sport. It, it doesn't hurt to, to improve on a strength. And it, it has frankly been a strength of the Blue Jays this season. So what do you think happens with Nate Pearson? Do you think he's a good trade candidate? Do you think he finds his way up and down and finds a way into this bullpen? Um, I mean, he's been an interesting storyline since he was a Blue Jay initially, right? Being a starter, then being stretched out. And then now, okay, now you're in the bullpen and you found a little bit of a home there. What happens with Nate Pearson? Well, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting question, right? Because Blue Jays, this is a great problem to have, but they have too many good relievers. <laughs> like they, they just like just frankly, from a numbers perspective, because they're, they're running an eight man bullpen right now, and when Hunjin Ryu is activated, you just like the the rules are you 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 can't do that. You got to have thirteen pitchers, so they're going to have to go down to a seven man bullpen. Plus, you mentioned Chad Green's coming back, so. You just basically you have an open tryout here, right? And it, and it stinks. Um, but guys that have options are valuable. And the Blue Jays haven't seen it um, this season all that much that they've they've had to shuttle guys up and down. And I guess it was Jay Jackson for uh, one period of time. And I guess honestly, the the last time we saw Nate Pearson sent down, I understand it was after a horrible game against the Mariners and back to back games in which he'd given up runs. It came on the heels of eight straight scoreless outings. And at that point, I kind of thought, okay, the, we're at a, a place with Nate Pearson where he's a very good reliever, but he's he, he falls into that 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 category of of reliever who has options, who is not like overwhelmingly good. That you you like, uh, how could you possibly send down like a guy like uh, Jordan Romano, who I believe also has options. Like he's not Jordan Romano, he's Nate Pearson, and he has options. So if you need to make room uh, on your twenty six man roster. And you will one when Hunjin Ryu returns, and and two when Chad Green is ready to be activated off the 60-day IL. It's like him and man, 
Jay Jackson's been so damn good, but he has obviously got options. Tim Mays has been amazing all season long, so it doesn't feel like he's going to be a guy. But it's it's going to be Nate Pearson and and Jay Jackson. I feel like those are the two guys that you look at because this this bullpen, frankly, is just it's full of guys that are no obvious candidates to be sent down and and not a ton of guys with options. And it was part of the reason why they held on to Mitch White for as long as they did. And I just I've I, Sorry, Nate, this is like part of the Major League experience if you're going to be a middle reliever is that if you have options, quite often they're going to be used. Yeah, and it's 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 funny, right? Because if this were another position on the roster that had as much surplus, for, for lack of a better term, I think you'd say, ah, where can you use that and maybe try to upgrade elsewhere? But because bullpens by their nature are just so finicky, I don't think you're looking to necessarily cash any of those in as a chip to maybe go out and get a bat. Not to say you shouldn't go out and get a bat. It's just I think you're using the chips you already have, not not those ones. You know, we know the Angels obviously made their moves not just to remove themselves as sellers but become big buyers. It looks like the Cubs are going to hang on to their guys. You know, Bellinger was kind of the bat I was circling because not to say that you can't add a bat if it's not an impact one, but the less of an impact it makes, the less you know excited I am to make that ad. Uh, do you think they still have one more bat ad in them? Do they need to do that? Well, where are you at on that uh, a day and a half out from the deadline here? Yeah, they got out of bat. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting because I mentioned how I thought differently uh, about the Jordan Hicks move and how uh, initially I was surprised and then my my surprise waned a little bit. And part of the reason it waned is because I, I looked at the needs for this team and everybody in baseball pretty much that's going going to be adding before Tuesday outside of the Blue Jays is going to be looking at a starter. Blue Jays don't need a starter. It's a, they, they have too many starters too. They have, they're literally going to run a six-man Rotation starting on Tuesday when Hunjin Ryu is activated against the Orioles. And yes, I mean, there's a not a huge level of confidence that Alec Manoa this season is going to return to form, but you, you have too many, just factually, too many major league caliber starters. Um, the, the, I mean, the nine men that play generally every day, there's not an obvious need for improvement unless you're talking about left field, second base, and, you know, the, the second base defense thing, I, I, I feel like, has gone underreported. Maybe it's not just necessarily second base, but second base and first base. Chris Black, Blue Jay Central pro, uh, producer, had an email that, that was sent out to, um, to, to people at Sportsnet last week about how porous the Blue Jays' defense on the right side, side of the infield has been this season. They've been the worst team in Major League Baseball, turning ground balls on the right side of the infield into outs. And a big part of that is... Yeah, Vlad Jr.'s defense is regressing. He's 20th among Major League first basemen in defensive runs saved, and you wonder if there's a correlation to uh, to a, a lack of, of shift maybe uh, inhibiting you know what made him special defensively just a season ago when he won a gold glove. But that aside from that, to the question about the bat thing, yeah, they need to add a bat, and it needs to be a right-handed <laughs> bat, and it needs to be a guy that can either play left field or play second base so that Whit Merrifield can can play a lot more left field uh, or that he can be at second base and and this player can play left field capably. And the guy I've circled that's probably going to be in the Blue Jays um, in in the aisle they want to shop in. I know it's it, the Mets are it, it, they're having, I guess, 
what we would consider a fire sale, considering they had a $400 million payroll coming into the season, already sending Max Scherzer out, and Justin Verlander seems like he's going to be the next off the table. Tommy Pham and Mark Canna are the two guys mm-hmm. that seem like pretty obvious fits, and I was doing a little digging into the, the numbers yesterday, and I know neither guy seems all that exciting, uh, all that exciting and I don't think either guy is, is somebody that's going to put you over the top. But, boy, you look at the season that Tommy Pham is having – not just on a surface level as far as the numbers he's producing, but under under the hood, like all his expected stats are, are really, really outstanding this season. He's 35 years old, so, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that this is like a, a long-term marriage if you go out and get him. He's obviously also a, a pending free agent and not somebody that's going to help you defensively in left field either, but it's not, not going to kill you about a league average defender in in left field can take a walk and hit for a little power i i ever since the the mets were pretty clear sellers i i'd looked at tommy Pham as a guy that could probably help the blue jays against left-handed pitching i feel like he's one of few names as well right like it, it as soon as cody bellinger's not being uh available and then last night randall gritchick's off and then obviously shohei we know that, that that's not out there the list is kind of small and there's gonna be a lot of people looking for a bat so if it's tommy fam like do you know how much they should be willing to pay for a tommy fam not much mm-hmm. <laughs> that's but what the if thing. it's a bidding war right like people there's not a lot of options out there yeah, well, I mean, he's one of those guys, though, that if it gets to a price point that you're not comfortable with, then you walk away. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, he's not, he's not, he's not pushing. I, I, I mean, you know, watch me eat my words when Tommy Pham is World Series MVP, right? Like, Steve Pierce, remember? Yeah, well, right. Yeah, exactly. It, it can come out of weird places, but he's a guy that that you know, for his career, is a three fifty four on base percentage guy, and he, he's he's hit twenty homers before. But like I said, he's 35, um, and and just last season, you know, he had an OPS of 686. Now this year it's 820, so I, I guess there could be a belief that this is this is something that won't be sustainable for the second half of the season. But like I said, like the numbers in in an overall sense under the hood, as far as exit velocity, expected batting average, they're all pretty high. I I. Yeah, Tommy Pham's not a guy th- that you're going to have to give up Ricky Tiedemann for. <laughs> if you are, you're not. <laughs> you, you won't. You won't be. You'll you'll turn to another place. You look at another right-handed uh, bat that can play left field, and maybe it's Mark Canna. That's the thing. The Mets have two of these guys. To me, it would be Pham over Canna, um, but it's kind of an eye of the beholder thing. Both guys, right-handed bats, play a little corner outfield and have good on base and. A little bit of pop. I, I I think that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about somebody that's going to break the bank, and honestly, not somebody that's one going to play every day, and two going to be a difference maker hitting in the top half of this lineup. I don't think. No, I uh, I would not think so either. Uh, Fan morning show. Brent Nailish talking to Ben Ennis here. Uh, ben Orioles team. They're going to pl- play starting tonight. Surprised they haven't been more aggressive. This is always a fun question for a team at this kind of point of its window, right? You can go out and get uber aggressive and get guys with term when you have the prospects like that, or you can kind of slow play things a little bit and just let that group build organically. Uh, Obviously, I know the answer to you is they should do whatever makes them the worst in the long run, but from a team building (laughs) perspective, like what do you think is the right way for the Orioles to to go about this? Well, they got to do something, but they're cowards, right? Like we've, 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 We've already established that they're big honking <laughs> cowards. They were right there. They were right yeah, there at the precipice. 
They were right there at the precipice of making the playoffs and being the the surprise team. They already were, the fact that they weren't abysmal last season, but they they had a chance to make the playoffs last year. Michael I was like, no. And you know what? That that turned out pretty good because in one of those trades, they ended up with the guy who's been one of the best relievers in baseball, Yanir Cano. But we've already heard him go on record, and, and who knows how much of this is reality, is saying, hey, we're not blowing up our farm system to – to make a World Series, just because we're in first place, we're not blowing up our... Nobody's asking you to f- blow up your farm system, but you never know how open your window is and how long that window of contention lasts, right? Totally. It, it, it feels like, oh boy, the Orioles for the next 20 years will be at the top of the American League East. Okay, maybe. Or or maybe there's regression there. I mean, Gunnar Henderson's great. Can't hit lefties, right? Like, the, there's going to be some of these guys that get it, it exposed uh, as we go further on um and you know like talk about felix batista having a 50 percent strikeout rate. relievers boy you, you can't count on them to to replicate seasons year after year after year do you think the yankees if they miss the playoffs are gonna say that was fine let's let's not go after uh shohei otani no probably not uh and the red sox same deal I I think you could really live to regret not being aggressive at the deadline if you are the Orioles, but like I said, history would tell us that they're risk-averse when it comes to giving away what their eight of the top 100 top prospects, so many of which are already at the major league level. Mike Elias has, has proven that, that he's not a guy that's all that interested in, in moving chips into the middle of the table for win-now pieces, so we'll see. I mean, that could be a huge advantage for the Blue Jays if the Orioles just basically you know, sit there on the sidelines as we head towards Tuesday. We know what a deflating factor that can be for those players, too. Ben, what are you uh, thinking about George Springer being demoted down the lineup a little bit there? Whit Merrifield batting leadoff, and, and clearly we know George Springer's at a bad spot right now. Um, were you surprised that John Schneider actually made that move after it kind of had been, you know, circled in everybody else's mind for a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because mm-hmm. we're talking about a first time manager uh his first yeah. full season as a major league manager and we're talking about a guy who's borderline hall of famer and george springer a guy who's probably not going to go to the hall of fame because you know the trash can banging uh <laughs> and all that but also one of the 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 like there's some of the statistics that you would use to make his hall of fame case are like out of the leadoff spot what is he third in the history of major league baseball and leadoff home runs well mm-hmm. tough to get a leadoff home run when you're not hitting leadoff anymore but but yeah, that's it's, it. Was a long time coming. It wasn't hitting. It, it, he's going through a rough stretch now. I don't think he's cooked by any stretch of the imagination. And again, you look at some of the expected stats for George Springer. It's not that dissimilar from from a year ago. And he's man, it really does feel like day in day out he's hit into bad luck. And it really feels like the opening day was um, was so weird for this guy. I think he had a five hit game against the Cardinals. And it seems like ever since opening day, he's been chasing mm. the dragon of, of getting that batted bu- uh, ball luck ever since. Um, so I, I think he's due for like so much of this blue Jays offense is a hot streak going forward. But I, I think it was, it was a move you had to make that you, you were having difficulty scoring um, in the first inning, especially, but, so much of baseball is sequencing and some of sometimes it can be dumb luck but it's not dumb luck when a guy's been as as cold as George Springer had been and he's getting the most at bats of anybody in this Blue Jays lineup I think you had to do it and it doesn't mean that he can't be back at the top of the lineup before the end of the season but right now he's been so cold for so long yeah you 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 just wait for him to heat up again before you put him back up there 
Yep, hitless in his last seven games, and, and you and Gunnar had the same point. Maybe uh, it's time to get hot now when it matters against the Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles who are in town and you're chasing. Uh, ben, appreciate you jumping on this morning. Great to chat through it and enjoy 30-something hours till the trade deadline. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. That's Ben Ennis, host of Fan Drive Time. And during that interview, Australia scored again. It is now 3-0. Just keeps getting worse. I got to be honest. Every time I look up, I get more and more confused. There's just a Canadian woman looking upset, rightfully so, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally, now I don't know what the temperature is. I understand it's like winter in Australia now. It must now, be freezing. But yeah, like I'm seeing people with mitts on and they got parkas and I thought I saw a toque, which good on you. Good I for mean, them for bringing toques. I do love to, I am a big toque guy. Love a, you love a good two. I do. Even when it's like, even when the time has passed, like when we're into like this, we're, we're coming into the cusp of it, you know, a couple months from now, but like when we get into vest season and it's mm, like, vest season's could, great. You could totally put on a ball cap, but sometimes just toss on a toque, even if I don't need it. I, I don't know which part uh, is, this talk. In, is this one, toque talk. Is this one in Melbourne? Wherever this one is being played, this game, because I know they moved around. I would imagine. 14 degrees. I would imagine. Right now. Okay. You know, we'll talk to, we're going to talk to Nick Taylor in a couple minutes. Mm. Maybe I'll, I probably won't, but maybe I'll give him this. Nothing more pet peevey to me than when I turn on golf and they're in California and I'm like, wow, is it two degrees? And it's like, no, it's it's 16. It's just everybody has on hoodies and (laughs) they call them beanies and they got their Mm -hmm. hand warmers on. Mm -hmm. And I just... I understand like you're in a, you know, like we've all gone somewhere warm and it's a 16 degree day and you're like, oh, it's freezing. Give me my sweater. We've all done it, but it just, it irks me. Gets my back up. Can't have it. There are some times here now in August where you'll have like a cooler breeze, but we don't need to panic yet. No. Don't pull out your Uggs. I don't know if you're you're doing that intentionally or not, but I have been chastising McKee because he just comes on the air every day and is like, summer's ending, people. You got to tell us what you're doing. And it's like, there is two months left really of summer. There's lots of golf to be played. Oh, yeah. So I thought, I I wasn't sure if you were just uh, poking him or just actually. Just in general. Okay. I don't need to see it yet, folks. Just, we'll make it. We'll make it. Settle down. It's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Also, somebody asked if I was feeling okay. I lost my voice at a wedding, so I appreciate the concern. Do you have a particular track you were belting out or just anything and everything? Anything and everything was being sung quite loudly on Saturday night. Saw saw you living it up on IG. It was very fun. A big farm wedding. Cornfield, yeah. Cornfield, yeah. Anywho, that's why my voice is raspy, but I'm, I'm well physically. Other, okay. other than your back and other that you're tired and, 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 you know, you know, myriad of ailments. Other than that, though. We're all good. Um, someone's back that might not be injured but oh. might be uh, Jonathan Taylor. So very interesting stuff going on with the Colts because <laughs> he is obviously they're having some conversations about if he's going to get traded, he's holding out, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a running back. He'd like some money. He would, and uh, I think he deserves his little money. But um, so – Ursay goes, we're not going to trade Jonathan Taylor. It's not a certainty, not now, not ever, in um, or in October. That is a certainty, sorry. And then they have considered placing Jonathan Taylor on the non-football injury list uh, for a back injury. Okay. Which could result in them withholding his salary. And I talk, we talked to Naheem, uh, about Naheem Hines uh, with Ty Dunn the other day, who is also dealing with a non-football injury, but the Bills are going to try to maybe help pay for that nonetheless some drama going on with jonathan taylor who then gets to twitter yesterday and tweets the following one never had back pain two never reported back pain 
Not sure her not sure who sources are, but find new ones. Mm. Thinking emoji. So clearly, it's a really bad situation. Lots of drama happening with the Colts. Uh, if he's going to play, if he's not going to play, and if they're going to pay him this season. I think we're burying the lead here. Quote from Colts owner. Jim Good, Ursay. I'm glad you have this point. Okay. Uh, just, I would like to you, you to imagine, and hey, uh, you know, everyone's industry is different. Imagine you ask your boss <laughs> for a raise, and they say this. If I die tonight and you die, Jonathan Taylor is out of the league. No one's going to miss us. He goes on to say other things, but it really doesn't matter if the second you ask your boss for a raise, they're like, we could all die tomorrow. It's like, great, then give me the money. If we could all die tomorrow and no one's ever going to remember, why don't you just give it to me? Jim Irsay is a wild man, okay? Mm-hmm. He's a personality. This is what NFL owners are supposed to be like. There's been times where he's been like driving around in a car with pills yeah. and- who knows what's going on there? Okay, wild. I could not believe that this quote was not from The Onion when I saw it. <laughs> Just take a different tact. Do not, when someone's coming to you to discuss terms of employment, say, ah, we could all die tomorrow. And nobody will care about us and if we no die. no one will care. The life goes on. Absurd. Wild. So happy. Quite I want to be quote. clear. Like, not, not saying I like him. So happy that he exists as a personality in this league. And honestly, in like a world of Dan Snyder's and stuff, it's like this feels like a touch more palatable. Yes. And there's already been lots of offseason drama here um, as we approach football with Sean Payton's comments about Nathaniel Hackett the other day. Don't talk about my coach. Aaron Rodgers, yeah, coming to his defense, like, just out of line. Keep my coach's name out of his mouth. It's like we are getting, like, throwing the fire on early here with the offseason NFL drama, Jonathan Taylor, all. It's a little different than the Belichick era of we're on Cincinnati. Very different. We'll just play football. Um, All right. Let's talk to Nick Taylor. Um, He's going to join us in a little bit after the break. We'll do a bit of winners and losers as well. Mm-hmm. I got a couple losers. It's hard to find winners this weekend. Other than I, I want to be clear. Hicks. I want to be clear. This is not a shot at you. I'm looking at a whole bunch of losers Ooh, right now. As you looked in my eyes when you said that, I'll try my best to avoid that uh, feeling. <laughs> Nick Taylor will join us. Then we've got Tim Kirchin, who's going to. You help us wrap up uh, how the Blue Jays are, are maybe going to go all in here. Get uh, they got Jordan Hicks. What else are they going to do next for Toronto? Is it Tommy Pham? Haley McGoldrick will help us ooh, try to articulate Canada's current three nothing deficit against the host nation Australia. And as I mentioned, Canada really, if they were to win, they just reach the round of sixteen. If they're to draw, they'll reach the round of sixteen. But if they lose. It's not looking good. It might come down to tie breaks. Nigeria needs to lose. There's a bunch of situations that have to occur for Canada to make it through. So they're kind of staring at the end of their World Cup right now if they can't find a way to cover a 3 nothing deficit in the 70th minute. So we're going to try to be positive, but that one's tough. Nick Taylor after the break on the Fan Morning Show. Gunner and Ailish, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 75th minute. Canada's a corner kick right now. Down. Could you imagine nothing. how with this coming in beneath us, it would feel like a turning point in a movie? Uh, but guess no. what? Guess what? Yeah, Australia cleared box. it out just easily. I feel like that was illegal. Okay, I can't do play-by-play oh, on the someone's radio. someone's heard again. Okay, let's oh, don't, don't. I'm trying to be nice here. Shocker. Someone fell down and is wincing in a soccer game. Sorry. Oh, 
Okay, we're going to be joined by Nick Taylor in about five minutes. Uh, so we have a little bit of time to go through some winners and losers in the meantime. Uh, a story that we have been covering just as tightly as possible. Mm. It's the Edmonton Elks. Yes. And their uh, beautiful record they were chasing. A historic record um, of the most consecutive losses on home. They lost 22 to nothing. Go Elks. 22 to nothing. They couldn't even get a point. It's Which in the CFL is tough. Just boot a punt out the back of the end zone. And they have now lost. They now own the record for the most consecutive losses in professional sports history. North American professional sports history. And it is just an embarrassment. Um, I, I don't even know if I, I feel bad for the fans that continue to go out there and I'm gonna buy go- tickets. But at this point, I don't think you need to. I'm 21 gonna, okay, straight losses. Sorry. That's I'm, the number. I'm going to go the other way. You know, you're going to be a Lions fan, fan of a terrible team, right? <laughs> at least get to hold your hand up and forever, for okay. a thousand years, some guy who's a fan of the Elks is going to be at a bar or he's like talking with like a family member 30 years from now. They're like, ah, oh, this team is terrible. No, 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 no. I'll tell you a terrible team. I'll tell you what literally the worst team ever feels like. And that is why, like, you're a Lions True. fan. You don't want to just have a truly embarrassing season. You want to go 0 and 16 and have Dan Orlovsky running out the back of the end zone. I know those things happen in different years, <laughs> but just bear with me, okay? You want to be truly abysmal. What's the point in sucking a little? You mm. might as well have a tale for all of time to tell about it. So I'm going the other way. Okay. They're bad. Be this bad. They're winners because they're the worst losers. There you go. And you know what? If you want to be the best at something, you can also be the best at losing. So congrats to the Edmonton Elks. There's our spin this morning. I got a winner for you. Okay. My girl. Brooke. Of course. Of course, Brooke. Brooke. I always love to give her her due. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've I've banged the table forever. Underrated. I feel properly rated now. But I will say... A little quiet for a solo second place finish at a major. You know, if our guy Nick Taylor is going to be on the line in a second, finishing second place at a major, we're never stopping talking about Corey Connors, mm-hmm. same exact thing. And with Brooke, now part of it is it's just expected. Oh, well, there goes Brooke. Part of it is that it was a five-shot win. I get all that. Uh, but really nice to see Henderson. She was having a bit of a tough go Yeah, she, a she was. I've uh, been lost uh, fighting it a little. That's the way golf goes. So big, big shout-out to Brooke. I will never stop trying to give her her due. And uh, she doesn't need my help, honestly, because she always uh, performs that way. So second place at a major. Gotta love it. Okay, so here's someone else that came second place. JT Poston. Mm. So this story is kind of a loser, but also a winner. He's in the Venn diagram. Yeah. So he needed an eagle for a chance to win um, or to get a solo three-way or sorry, solo T2, right? Mm -hmm. So he gets aggressive and, and tries to like clear the water onto the green here and it hits a rock i don't know if you saw the video i did it hits a rock and bounces into outer space like yes the odds of it hitting this rock and legit propelling to the moon was one in a billion and yet he hits this rock he gets in the water anyway he loses the opportunity for a solo second and it costs him two hundred and sixty thousand dollars because he ends up tying so they end up splitting that money he loses two hundred and sixty thousand dollars um then he so that's the sad loser part of it 
but maybe the winner part is his response when he sees a tweet about this. Um, he quote tweets uh, Kyle Porter from CBS who was just explaining mm-hmm. that like he needed a seven, whatever, he ends up with an eight. He goes, not out here trying to finish second, trying to win, would make that decision 10 times out of 10 under the circumstances, which was trying to go for it and unfortunately hitting a rock and the ball going into orbit. I love that. There is nothing more except, well, I won't say nothing. You know, I watched Nick Taylor rolling a putt to win the Canadian Open. That was a mm-hmm. RBC Canadian Open. That was pretty special. But when you're watching a tournament and a guy's sitting there humming and hawing, he's talking with his caddy and he's got an iron and then puts the iron back in the bag and, oh, maybe a little maybe a little head cover slips off. Usually there's a little, mm. so I love that. Uh, you want guys who want to win. And, you know, the other part of it as well is like, yeah, does it suck to lose out on 260K or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Uncle Sam gets his say, it's a little less than that. But when you made 12 million bucks in your career, it allows you to the freedom to make these decisions. And that's all we want. Like, imagine an athlete in any other sport saying, oh, well, I could have got the tie. <laughs> and I know we're watching soccer right now. And that's a totally acceptable thing there at times. But you want an athlete who wants to win. You don't want, you want someone to give themselves a chance. That was it. And I love it. I love that he came right out and said mm-hmm. it, had the reaction. He didn't go, hey, go full tin cup, mm-hmm. but it felt that way. So awesome. Winner, full winner. No loser in my book. Full love winner. Love that. Um, Mommy go again? I got another winner. Yeah, go for it. Summer Macintosh. Um, I can't wait for next year's Olympics because she's going to, I mean, she's already won everyone's heart, but like the Olympics are a much different stage than, you know, a, a world championship, unfortunately, because she should be getting the same amount of praise now. Um, 16-year-old, gets her second gold at the Swimming World Championships. This was in Japan. I remember Friday, I believe, she won her first one. We were on the air, and I was watching, streaming. I mean, I was focused, of course. But I was streaming, watching, uh, but she took the 400-meter individual medley after winning the 200-meter butterfly on Friday. She helped them get bronze in the 4 by 100 relay um, with the other Canadians on the podium. She's got eight career medals at the Worlds all in the last two years. She's 16 years old. We're seeing something really special. She's a phenom already. Uh, looking forward to next year in Paris. She's going to show everybody uh, why it's the summer of summer. Mm. Macintosh. I like that. Uh, Penny walked so she could uh, glide. Uh, breaststroke. I don't know. Uh, either way, I'm trying to make a swimming pun there. That's awesome. Good for her. <laughs> I uh, did see this coming across my timeline. Just felt like she was winning all weekend long. So awesome for her. Mm-hmm. Awesome for uh, Canadians doing well. We love that. I got more. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. We're Keep still going. waiting for Nick Oh, okay. I got yeah. one. I'll sneak okay, one go, in. Go, go ahead. I'll yeah. sneak one in here. The Angels. Not a loser. Winners. Yes. Winners. Finally, winners. Big winners. <laughs> they said, you know what? You can't have Shohei Otani. He's ours, at least for now. Mm-hmm. He's going to do what he wants because he's a free man in this capitalist society. He's going to do what he wants. But for now, Shohei's ours. And you know what? We're going to get him some help. Even though Alec Manoa murdered that guy in cold blood and broke all the bones in his face, we're still going to go out and get Poor him some guy. help. That guy's a loser, yeah, sadly. That, that is, that's loser. That's tough. As I told you off air, I've seen somebody do that uh, when it's like 75 miles an hour, not 95. So, yeah, that's uh, no fun at all. Angels, though, big winners. They yeah. have the biggest ship in baseball. They have the other guy who's great, Mike Trout. He's always hurt. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you try to win? I've made the case a million times. Whatever the trade you think you're going to make is, isn't the trade that it ends up being. Keep them. Go try to do something with them. Winners. Yeah, Taylor Ward was the one that got the uh, pitch from Alec Manoa in the face. Uh, Hospitalized. Uh, facial fractures. He's on the IL. Um, it was 10 day, but I saw something on my timeline today that might be the rest of the season. So that yeah, is I, extremely I would, tough. I would say that maybe you just you sit down for a while and think about that. Yeah. Let your face recover. It's your face. It's tough. 
It's your face. I told, um, like, honestly, I'm, I snuck it in there jokingly, but not joking. I played baseball with a guy, and I remember he just froze up. Fastball rode up in the face, and he froze. It just, like, it sounded like it got barreled up. It hit oh him square in the God. eye. And he, he got in later to try to take cuts, but he just could never do it again. So, I mean, we've seen this happen with Stanton mm-hmm. before. It is... There's a lot of greasy injuries in sports, right? Hockey, I'm sure you've seen them, experienced them, all, all yeah. of that. But there's just nothing quite so visceral as a guy just getting a fastball in the face like that. You, you don't got anything there, but honestly, a hat. you know, like big football hits, they're violent. They feel violent, but there's padding. You can't see the guy. It's just something about baseball player eating it like that. Ouch. Um, here's a loser. Packers. <laughs> they wished Jonathan Garvin. Uh, one of their linebackers, a happy birthday with a nice tweet where they said, happy birthday, blah, 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 congrats, we love you, smile, it's your birthday. Mm-hmm. And then three hours later, they cut him. Tough. Um, can I can I quickly say Packers fans, winners, because oh. I saw a picture last week where they had their annual shareholder meeting in the stadium. So it's literally, they just pack everybody oh, who has cool. a share in there. And there was one guy uh, in full... Pads, jersey, helmet, everything. He's trying to get so out there. The guy's got the passion at the at the very least. I know that's TM Toronto Maple Leafs. Wear the pa- full not pants. Oh, I have seen pants. full Blue Jays attire walking the concourse. Most ridiculous thing I think I've seen. That's not even that ridiculous. It's just like, ooh, okay, that's a choice. Is I saw a guy wearing a Anthopolis jersey once. Ooh, I wonder. I wonder what happened there. Maybe yeah. they're related. Maybe. Okay. We have Nick Taylor, PGA Tour golfer, and 2023 Canadian Open Open champion on the line. Nick, thanks for coming on this morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I heard you're going to be at the Rogers Center today for the Blue Jays game. Are you possibly throwing out the first pitch? You don't have to tell us if it's top secret, but, you know, you're attending. Is there <laughs> or if something you want to on... talk some trash to Adam Hadwin <laughs> about how much better you could That's potentially true. do. Potentially. What's the situation? No, I know. I will be at the game. Uh, no first pitch, but I did give oh. him enough. Uh, enough heck for his, okay. his offer to there. So, um, right. are you big Jays? He, he heard enough from me. Are you a Jays guy? What's that? Are you a Jays fan? I am. Yeah, my dad. My dad grew up a big, big Jays fan. So I've watched him for a long time and nice. Um, try to keep up to date as much as possible. Yeah. So what's it? What's it like for you to be able to kind of get some time to be a fan? You know, like golfers, you guys get a. You have a, a pretty interesting life. You know, you were just over in the UK for the Open and the Scottish Open, and now you're. Uh, I know this isn't home for you. That's the West Coast, but you're. You know, in the capital of your your or uh, you know the de facto capital of your home country here. What does it mean to you to just be able to kind of take it in as a fan? Like we always love hearing about this from athletes of what it's like for them to kind of be a fan as opposed to be in the thick of it. Yeah, we've. I feel like on the road, we uh, a lot of players, myself included, try to get to different sporting events, different games uh, when we're in town. When I was here for the RBC Canadian Open, I def I went to a Jays game I think, Thursday night. Um, I feel like we try to sprinkle it in, and, and you know, a lot of athletes seem to be big sports fans outside of their own sport. So it's fun to be able to go to watch other people at their craft and uh, and, and see what they're doing. So I always enjoy going to different games. Yeah, Nick, you you mentioned it there, and uh, I don't know, sick of it is probably the wrong term, but you've talked about it a fair amount. I I was lucky enough to be there all week covering it at the RBC Canadian Open. I uh, somehow was able to finagle my neck to actually have a view of the ball going in the cup. It wasn't quite as good as as your view, but what's that that moment like for you? I mean, it felt surreal for me watching you take it all in, and Bob Weeks is on the verge of tears, and your caddy's slugging the champagne, and Hadwin's icing his ribs what was that moment like for you and has have you kind of changed as you've reflected on it throughout the summer 
Yeah, I think as as time has gone on, I feel like I've seen different views uh, daily of you know someone's cell phone video or their vantage point um, of the putt going in, the craziness that um, starts, I guess, followed after that. But um, I think you know one of the most unique parts is just how many people have come up to myself or, or Dave, my caddy, just you know telling us where they were how they're watching it, you know, their reaction, the amount of people that, you know, I've been, I've been taken back by saying they were in tears or just how, how invested they were and how happy they were for us is, has been really cool to kind of hear over time. So it's, uh, you know, I think it's sunken in as time has gone on, but uh, it, there's still a lot of pinch me moments that it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun to look back on. Yeah. We talked to uh, your caddy, Dave Markle, actually, I think uh, it was the, the weekend after you guys went to the West coast and he called us on his way to uh, the course and we chatted. He's a beauty. Also, he sounds like the biggest hockey bro ever. Uh, we talked to him, we talked to Adam Hadwin. So we've got some of the perspectives and uh, of course, all of Canada was just dialed in watching that putt go in. So you're there, you're, you got 72 feet in front of you. Um, I know you always probably are putting the belief in yourself, but really when you're watching that, were you hoping that you get, close you tap it in or was it always belief that this is going in and this is going to be one hell of a moment in Canadian history you know I think subconsciously you're hoping it goes in I don't think in in the moment I'm thinking you know let's make this um a lot of it is trying to focus on the speed and in the moment in that situation you know I've you know Tommy was 10 or 12 feet and you're trying to put it as close as you can to put pressure back on him and um you know, for that to, to drop, um, it's, it's dreamlike stuff. So yeah, like in the moment, I, I think, you know, you work on it over time of, of, you know, with the mental work is always believing that a ball can go in. It doesn't matter if it's a hundred yard wedge shot or, you know, a 20 foot putt. But, um, like I said, the, the, the objective there was the speed part and trying to get it as close as possible. And, you know, for that, for that to go in was just, uh, was incredible. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been lucky enough to talk to uh, you know some of your colleagues, I guess for lack of a better term, out there. Uh, you know, Connors. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to him before the Scottish Open, and you know, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But all those guys, to a man, just talking about how little that moment has uh, has changed you. So your head hasn't got too uh, too big for for your shoulders. <laughs> now, Nick, twelfth uh, place in the FedEx Cup standings, heading into the playoffs. Uh, not that you haven't been at a good position before heading in this uh, this time of year, but a big win like that late in the season, and all your other success early on to put you in a really good spot. Uh, I imagine you just go out and are going to play these tournaments how you would any other, try to shoot as low of a score as you can and try to go win mm-hmm. the thing. But does the idea of having to advance or being in a top 70 and then into a top 30, does that kind of change your, your mindset a, a little bit throughout the tournament or is it kind of, kind of just a, a regular tour event for lack of a better term for you? You know, I, I've definitely positioned myself well for, for the playoffs, um, you know, with points being four times what they typically are, um, you know, there, there's obviously still a lot of points up for grabs heading into the tour championship. So, you know, it's, it's a new, new playoff system with only 70 players starting out in Memphis next week. So, um, you know, you, you definitely want to take advantage as much as you can and, and position yourself to be as high as possible going into the tour championship. They have the, a different setup where you've, you know, the staggered, you set, start at 10 under if you're leading and goes all the way down to even. So, you know, the better you are, um, gives you the best chance to win the FedEx cup. So we'll, uh, that's the goal kind of still do the same things, but, um, you know, with, with 
being short, smaller fields, no cuts, you can definitely uh, position yourself differently than probably a regular full size size event. Um, we'll see what happens. It uh, you know two weeks off after the UK is pretty helpful to me in my position. Some guys might be playing uh, at least two events leading into it and might be a little more fatigued. So that'll be uh, a little advantage for myself. That's uh, that's awesome to hear, and yeah, you uh, you got the big advantage of uh, taking in the Jays game tonight. I hope you enjoy that, and I uh, hope uh, hope your Jays do well for you. And uh, I know they'll be spurned on by you being in attendance. And don't ever stop giving it to Hadwin. I love how you guys are constantly needling each other. He threw out the pitch, and he got smoked that week. I imagine rough week for him in some of you guys' group chats. Uh, thank you so much, Nick. Really, really appreciated it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. There he goes, Nick Taylor. Could say this forever. <laughs> twenty twenty three RBC Canadian Open champ. Uh, the farther away we get from it, the the bigger it feels. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, uh, again, like feels forever. That's uh, you know we do this business. We get into this business because we love sports, and that is a bucket list item times ten. And I'm so happy I got the chance to talk to him. So uh, good job, Danielle, hooking yeah, that up. That was great. We've been uh, we've been chasing Nick Taylor and his. Uh, you know, he's been a busy guy since he waited, won the Canadian waited Open. Waited for the golf guy, I think. And then they knew that you were coming on. They said, okay, it's time. It's time. Uh, so that was great. Uh, Tim Kirkjin will join us, ESPN MLB analyst. It's going to help us run through the Jays with their first acquisition. Australia just scored again. Uh, it's on a penalty. For nothing, and it is in the 90th. Oh, it's an extra time. So I think that might be it for Canada's tournament at the FIFA World Cup. And we will end that with Haley McGoldrick at 8.30, right for sportsnet.ca. So if this is it for Canada, which... It seemingly looks like, um, is this the end of Christine Sinclair? There's already big questions about uh, her last appearance, maybe for Canada here at the World Cup. She's had a storied career. We won't write it off yet, but we'll definitely chat about that with Haley McGoldrick at 8.30. But next, Tim Kirkton joins us on the Fan Morning Show.